Amazing. Well, I'm really excited to get the honor to speak today. As I said at the start, if you weren't here, my name is Caitlin, one of the team members here, and it's such a joy to be at Breakthrough, to be a team member at Breakthrough, um, to be serving in this church, but also to serve under my parents um, as the pastors. I, I'm in a really unique position um, that I, I get to see them as parents and as pastors, and it is just the greatest joy and the greatest honor to be able to do that. And this morning, we're going to preach a message that God put on my heart. Um, like we said earlier, he put this message on my heart a few weeks ago. Um, and then as we knew this was coming up, everything just gelled together and really felt this was a message to give today for our pastor's appreciation service um, as well. So that will all tie in, and that's why we're going to have prayer at the end for our pastors um, and for a breakthrough in what God's doing. So I'm going to start off with prayer, um, and then we'll get into the word today. Oh, thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, God, for the great time we've already had in your presence. Lord, I thank you, God, for your anointing. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that ultimately we are here because of Jesus, because you sent your son to come and to save us, because your ultimate, your, your love and grace that you extended towards us and inviting us into your family. So it is just a privilege to join together to celebrate Jesus and to lift up your name together. And I just thank you, God, this morning. Let your presence be here. Let there be such faith in the room. Let there be breakthroughs in the house this morning, God. I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Everything we give to you, and I just ask for you to speak through me, you to anoint every word, and for you to speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why, well, as I said, I am very excited to speak this morning. And I'm going to say right now that church, this is a message that I invite you to get involved with. I invite you to, to get involved and to be amongst it this morning. This isn't a library message. This isn't, isn't a message where I just want to speak and to have quiet everywhere while you just sit and ponder. Let's, I want you to get involved. Let's, we're here to do kingdom business this morning. So, you know, if you need a shout, yeah, amen. If you need a shout, you shout. If you need to stand up, you stand up. If you need to run around, you run around. But I'm believing God wants to do something special and to stir faith this morning. So let's get excited for what he wants to do. So this whole message is based on the song that we sang earlier, Tear Off the Roof, an incredible song released a few weeks ago by Brandon Lake, um, based on two stories that we mentioned earlier. So I thought to start off with, let's just read those two stories and then we'll, we'll dive into that. So we're going to go to the book of Mark this morning. So if you turn with me to Mark, firstly, we're going to go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 21. All right. We say we're there. All right, Mark 5, 21. And I love, actually, this isn't, this isn't part of the original text, but the, the heading they've given it over in, when translating the Bible. It says, Jesus heals in response to faith. And I love that. Yeah, amen. Verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Now, we'll just stop there. Let's just get a picture of what that looks like. So Jesus 
is walking through the street. He hears of this need. He's going to the knees and says, all the people were there crowding around and pushing into him and, and around him. So I don't know who's ever been in, in a pretty tight crowd before. Um, it's, it's the definition of my nightmare, being in a tight crowd. I hate big, tight crowds. And I remember it reminded me of a story um, uh, a few months ago. You know, we're privileged to go to a concert um, at the MCG. And this particular concert was like breaking records. For Actually, the, the person who broke the ultimate record at the MCG was Billy Graham. And because of um, fire safety laws, that's never going to be broken, which is amazing. So Billy Graham had the most people to ever be at the MCG. But this particular, I don't know what they were doing, but it was breaking some record of, I think, the most number of people who had been there since that event because they added all these seats in and it was you know, really cool to get to be here for this record-breaking night. So amazing. And, but then the thing was, it wasn't just us there. It was us and all the other people breaking this record of the most number of people at the MCG. And we'd gone with the group, and what had happened was we'd, got, we'd bought tickets separately. So we had two groups of tickets on the opposite sides of the MCG. So one over here, one over there. So what we said is at the end, we'll just meet together. So we were on this side, and they, there's people on this side closest to the car park. So we're like, you know what, we'll do simple. When we're on this side, at the end of the concert, we'll just come, we're going to switch. Excellent. Um, we're just going to come and switch. So we've been on one side. So what we're going to do is at the end of the concert, we'll just quickly walk around the MCG. We'll meet you on the other side, and we'll head to our car. Simple, plan, amazing. But then as we're coming up, it wasn't just us coming up, it was us and the three million other people who were at the concert coming up with us into this crowd. And it was just like the most epic bottleneck of people from all these different levels had joined into one spot, all walking towards that same area. Should I turn this off? What was that about distractions in the offering? Go. There you go. Um, so all this bottleneck of people were coming. And I'm like, that's okay, that's okay. We just, just got to walk around it. And there was so many people, like it was just nobody could move. It was just a cramping and I'm short, so I can't see over it. I'm panicking. You know, I can't, like it's panicking. And literally every person, every group was doing the same thing. We had to all like form a chain in our group because otherwise you would just get totally crushed and destroyed. So every group was like forming a chain of people just to try to stay together as we like slowly inch by inch, like took an hour, I think, to move from one side to the other side, where the other group were just kindly just sitting there waiting in the open space, waiting for us to make our way around. And I remember that moment, it was the most crushing crowd. Jay had a great time because he's tall and he could see over everything, so he was loving it. Um, and it was just crushing people around. So that's what I come in imagining in this story. When Jesus is coming, it's just people. People all around, again, nightmare material, just people touching everyone, grabbing everyone all around, and there's no personal space, there's no bubble, everyone's just touching. So here we are, this is the picture, we're coming out of an MCG crowd with Jesus. And verse 24, so Jesus went with him, all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal for many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gone no better. In fact, she had gone worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him. So he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Again, coming out of that concert crowd, like, everyone is touching you. Everyone around is touching you. He said, who touched me? 
His disciples said, look, the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. How amazing is that? Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You know, and the, the more, one of the more amazing things about this is from what I understand of the culture, because of her condition, she would have been deemed unclean. So for her to be in a big crowd in that scenario already, it would be completely socially unacceptable, completely breaking all barriers of what she should be. She would be getting shamed for even being amongst that crowd, let alone pressing through the crowd, touching everyone, and then touching Jesus, a man, a rabbi. She pushing through an unclean woman, coming to touch Jesus, a rabbi, would have been breaking every, every rule of what she should have been doing socially. But here she was, desperate to get to Jesus, and pushed aside every social norm, every barrier to come and to touch the hem of Jesus. And she received her healing. Let's jump over to Mark chapter 2 as we see another story. All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. Again, Pretty nightmare material there. The house is so full of visitors and people that nobody can even fit through the doors or come or see through the doors. Here he is in this house, full of people. They couldn't, um, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the sun onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Can we give God praise for that? How amazing is that? And I love again in that Jesus' response in that he came for healing, but Jesus didn't just give him his healing, he gave him complete freedom. The man came just, just for freedom from his immediate situation, but Jesus said, I don't just see your immediate situation, I see your future. I see your eternal future. He came for an immediate breakthrough, and Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one step further. I'm not going to just heal you of your immediate situation. I'm going to heal you for your future. I'm going to forgive your sins and say, you're clean. You are free. Your, fr your future is free. I'm giving you a future. God, Jesus is so amazing. He sees our future, and he gave him eternal healing. So here we are, two incredible stories. And I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, when I heard this song, and it's like, would you tear through the roof? And I said, of course, of course I would tear through the roof. And again, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit knows and just asks you again, would you tear through the roof? I'm like, yes, of course. The Christian answer is yes. <laughs> yes, I'm a pastor's daughter. Yes, of course I would tear through the roof. But suddenly I realized these stories actually made me feel extremely uncomfortable. When I look at the actual the story of what's happened, it's like it makes me and my personality feel extremely uncomfortable. Like I said, 
with the woman in the crowd. I don't do crowds. I don't do tight spaces. I don't do when I feel claustrophobic. I don't do lots of people touching me without sanitizer to pour over me right after. I don't, I don't like that. And I feel extremely uncomfortable if we're in a crowd. We went recently to a grand final parade and oh my goodness, I was literally, there were so many people around me that suddenly my poor family turned around and like, what's wrong with you? And I've just got tears coming down my face. I'm like, there's just too many people. There's too many people. I need to, I need to find space. And they're like, okay, let's just get you outside of the grand final parade, away from the people. I'm like, I'm sorry, there's just too many people. I don't like people. I, sorry, I love people. <laughs> Pastor's daughter, I do love people. <laughs> I don't like close proximity with people. Um, but again, so that's genuine, quite genuinely, I would feel very uncomfortable in that situation. So pushing through a crowd, particularly if, I'd be, if I know that I'm pushing through a crowd where I'm going to be shamed for doing so, if I'm in a place I'm not meant to be, you know, like if I've just walked into a boardroom full of executives and I'm just like, you know, pushing through everything, I'm like, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm not meant to be here. I'm not allowed to be here. And here I am, you know, making a scene, pushing through. It's uncomfortable. Tearing off the roof. Again, I, I sound like such a fun person, but like I don't like chaos. I love order. I love organisation. You know, organisation and order are some beautiful things. You know, I, I remember, you know, shock horror, I love Disneyland. Now, calm your farm, I'm not, I'm not endorsing everything in Disney. No, I don't agree with everything Disney. I'm just saying I love the Disneyland Park, all right? I love Disneyland Park. And I love going there. And one of the things I love most about Disneyland Park is the lines. Now, that's not what people generally say they love most about theme parks. But I love the lining up systems because they're so organized and they're so ordered. It's beautiful. It's, it's this beautiful stream. They, maybe you can got some pictures up there, Jay. They're these beautiful lines where it's order. There's no, there's no room for, cha for chaos, no room for anarchy. Everyone's got a place. You know, and Disneyland, they do this thing where they take all choice away from you. So if you go to some theme parks, you go up there and it's like, oh, which, which carriage do you want to go in? Do you want to go here? And then it's just chaos because maybe four people want to go in this carriage and there's only two spaces and it's like, what's going to happen? Oh, my goodness. And, you know, it's just chaos. Disneyland, none of that. They don't give you a choice. They just say, here's your place. You stand here. These people get off. You get on. You sit down and you go. And it's lovely. There's peace <laughs> everywhere in Disneyland. I ask my family, I'm not a very fun person if we go to an event where there's disorganized lining up systems. I don't know what it is, but there's something in me I don't enjoy feeling like we've been ripped off. I'm like, if I've come two hours early, I don't want the person who's come two hours later to be in front of me in the line. Am I right? Yeah, fair, fair, fair lines. So if I come to a place and I'm like, there's no rope system here, everyone's just gathered near the front door. Oh my goodness, there's, there's no order here. Like when we go to Melbourne Airport at the moment, they've taken away all the lines and oh my goodness, like I try, try so hard not to say anything. I remember when we were there a few weeks ago with dad, I'm like, I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to say anything. Just going to, just going to walk on through. I reckon it lasted three minutes. I'm like, dad, this is just ridiculous. Like, why don't they just have these all in line, have a line up here, but there's just no lining system. Everyone just find a spot, just all gather together. When there's one free, you just jump in and go. Chaos. Repeat after me, order equals fun. Order equals fun, people. This is how we have a fun day. Organisation and order is how we have fun together. So I don't like where there's chaos or where there's like, you know, things, particularly when it comes to the lining up. So here, I'm bringing all this up to say people tearing through the roof when I've been lining up 
to meet Jesus for two hours suddenly is not so cool. I'm like, hang on, hang on a minute. I was here. I heard Jesus was coming. I made the trek early. I got here. I got a spot inside the house. I'm here ready when, once he finishes preaching, which is the polite thing to do, wait for him to finish preaching before you approach and ask for prayer. Here I am waiting kindly for my turn. And here people are jumping the queue, going through the roof nonetheless, breaking someone else's roof, creating mess all around, interrupting Jesus during the middle of his word to come and ask for healing for their friend. Chaos, absolute chaos around. An immediate question start to come to my mind. I'm like, Okay, this is somebody else's property. Who's going to fix that roof? Who's paying for the fixing of this roof? Who's cleaning up the roof after they've all gone, after he's healed and run away and, and happy with his friends? Who's cleaning up the mess of the roof? What about the, who cleaned the floors? How about allergies? Tearing the roof would create a lot of dust and hay. What if there's other allergies in the room that's very inconsiderate to not consider that, you know? I would, I'd, quite honestly, if, if someone jumped in line, I would be like, it's all right. Jesus sees the humble people waiting at the back here. He'll reward me. Just wait for Jesus to call these people out. Has anyone ever done that? You know what? Use the line. It's all right. Jesus sees what I'm doing. It's all right. God sees. God sees the humble old me waiting at the back here, not pushing in. In the front, he'll see. He'll reward me. Not these people. How about the fact that all these visitors have just invited themselves to this person's home? I don't even know whose home it is. And these visitors have just heard Jesus is there and invited themselves in. Like, what if these people had plans that day? What if they've just cleaned their house and now people are in all in the house? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to prepare for it? How long are they going to stay? All of these things would quite naturally, and you will look at me holy, but if someone genuinely just came and infiltrated your house and broke through your roof, don't tell me you wouldn't have some of these thoughts yourself. So... Some of these thoughts were coming through my mind when Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit said once again, Caitlin, would you tear through the roof? And I'm like, quite honestly, actually, when I evaluate myself, no. And the fact that the Bible doesn't even mention anything about these things shows me one of our hearts was in the wrong place. Either the Bible should have mentioned all these things or I shouldn't be worrying about all that stuff. And I'm going to let you decide who was right and who was wrong, God or me. And I'll tell you now, it was God. He was right. Um, sorry, not he was wrong. He was right. <laughs> so I say all that to say, you know what? Would I tear off the roof to get to Jesus? If, my, if quite honestly, I read this and I go, amazing story. But if it were happened in reality, I would be very upset. Too much, too much disorder, too much chaos, too much unfairness, too much, just, well, too much, too much. God, what's going on? So I have to reevaluate my heart and say, Jesus, what, what does it look like for me to tear through the roof? What does it actually look like for me to be someone who tears through the roof? Now, before we go on, I want to say there's a difference. I'm not talking about tearing through the roof to get to the front of the line at Disneyland, okay? Some places, it is right to have order and wait your turn in line. I'm talking about tearing through the roof to get to Jesus. So if you go to lunch this afternoon and suddenly jump in front of the line because you say, oh, I got taught at breakthrough this morning, we just, we just jump in. That's not what we're saying. Um... No, so we're saying, what does it take me to tear through the roof to get to Jesus? So then we're evaluating, and often then I think the mistake that we can make then, and I feel like I've, I've probably made in the past, is we look at this story and say, okay, what I've got to do is more outlandish, crazy things like tearing through the roof. What I've got to do, I've got to do more big, big things, big scenes, make a big scene to get the attention of Jesus. That's what I've got to do. The answer is, 
I've got to do more things like tear through the roof. I've got to do something else big and outlandish, like push through a crowd that I'm not meant to be in. I've got to do something big and crazy to get the attention of Jesus. That's the answer. When it's not the answer, you know, I'm guessing there are a lot of crazy acts that people did that were never mentioned in the Bible because it wasn't actually the crazy act. It wasn't the tearing through the roof. It wasn't the pushing through the crowd that got the attention of Jesus. When we read back over these stories, if I read in Mark 2, it says um, in verse 5, seeing their faith, Jesus responded. Seeing their faith, Jesus responded. In Mark 5, for the woman, it said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Jesus responded to the faith that he, that he felt in her and the healing power it brought out in Jesus. So what we're saying is not the answer. The answer is not to say, oh, I've got to do more crazy things. I've got to do more things to get attention. I've got to do more things to get my name noticed in the Christian world. No, 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 it's not. That wasn't the answer. The answer is that wasn't what got the attention of Jesus. It was their faith that got the attention of Jesus. So, but then it's like, okay, well, then I've got to have more faith. But there was still the crazy act. So it's like, okay, well, their faith was what they got the attention, but they still tore through the roof and they still pushed through the crowd to get to Jesus. So there was still like this crazy act, but there was, it was the faith that, that got his attention. So I'm like, Lord, well, how does that work? And as I was praying, you know, I, because if we do that, so I would just go back. So it's like, okay, so there was both of them. Because then you say, okay, well, Lord, I just need the faith. I don't need the crazy act. I just need the faith. And isn't everyone's dream to be the person in the back of the room that you're just humbly there worshiping the Lord and suddenly you're, the, you know, why couldn't Jesus have seen their faith over all the people? Why couldn't he have been preaching there and suddenly said, you know what, I sense there's faith outside this house. There's faith outside this house. We're going to move there. You know what, why, why wouldn't that have worked? Everyone's dream is to say, I'm just in the back row, just quietly worshiping and somebody, suddenly on stage and say, I just sense there's faith. There's faith over all these people, that quiet person in the back who's just humbly serving the Lord. I see you. I see your faith. You know, so if it was just, just the faith, why couldn't they have just stood outside? Why couldn't she have just stood on the edge of the crowd? Why couldn't she have stayed home and said, I know Jesus is nearby and my faith is just in him? Because there was the faith that moved Jesus, but there was still the crazy act of tearing through the roof. So as I was praying about this, the Lord started showing me. He said it was the faith that moved him. But faith propels action. Faith invites action. Faith propels action. So what they do, they weren't looking at the crazy action. They weren't thinking, what can I do to get the attention of Jesus? What crazy thing can I do to get everyone to, get everyone to stop and to look at us? It wasn't that. They were just so consumed with Jesus. And they said, Jesus, our healer. And their faith was so strong. And their faith was so strong. And when you want something so much, and when there is something that you are so connected to, and you are so hungry for it, that suddenly you will be propelled into action. You'll be propelled to do things like tear through the roof. You'll be propelled to do things like push through a crowd you're not meant to get to. You'll be propelled to do things that are not socially acceptable. You'll be propelled to do action because it's like, you know what? My faith is so strong in Jesus, I will do anything that I can to get to Jesus. I will do whatever it takes to get there. And suddenly, if that means climbing through a roof, I'm climbing through a roof. If that means, you know, pushing through a crowd, I'm going to push through a crowd. Because it wasn't the action, it was their faith. But the faith in Jesus propelled them to do an action, to do something that was crazy. Is that right, church? Is there faith in this room? You know, I was thinking about this, you know, just in a practical sense. And the Lord was showing me, he said, 
you know, there are times when you are propelled into action because suddenly there, there, is, there is something ahead which suddenly everything else doesn't matter and you're just propelled to respond. You know, maybe a funny example might be if, if suddenly, you know, you're walking around and you hear there's a celebrity nearby and we, we all say, you know what, we're pretty cool. Celebrities are just people, just like us. But then suddenly there's a celebrity there. It's like, oh, that's exciting. What's, you know, let, let me just push through. Let, let me get to that. Let, let me just go see. Let me go see what's over there. You know, the other day, like I said, I, I love Disney. So we went to the Disney Line cruise. Is currently, um, the cruise ship is currently in Melbourne and New Zealand and Australia. First time ever. Very exciting. And I know you must all be aware of it. So exciting. Um, and I said, well, we haven't bought tickets. We can't get tickets. But what I can do is I could just go down to the dock and I could just see the ship. We could just see the cruise ship. That would be pretty exciting. So it was docked last weekend and we said, oh, we're going to go down and we're just going just to go and see the ship. And I was so excited. I was so excited. Like, I'm going to see this Disney cruise ship that's never come to Australia before. It's so exciting. And like I said before, I'm not somebody, I'm not generally, I don't like talking to strangers very much. I get very shy. You know, if we're there, I'm not the person who's just, you know, going and asking questions or anything. I'm like, I would rather just sort of stay at the back and not, not make a scene at something. But something propelled <laughs> me into action last weekend because there was a Disney cruise ship and suddenly all sense of my personality and my fears or who I was went out the window because my excitement of seeing the Disney ship suddenly propelled me to go and my family literally were like, what is going on? And it was like, I, literally, I didn't even know what happened. I just saw it and here I am just, oh my goodness, just like walking up and I see the Disney workers there. They've got the Disney name badges. I'm just introducing myself to them and I'm saying hi and I'm asking them about their life story. And my family come up like, what is going on? Like, this is Grant. This guy's worked here. Amazing. He's retired. You know, and I'm just talking to this Disney worker at the cruise ship because I was just so excited. Then my family went on to see the cruise ship and I just stood there talking to people. I'm waving to all the guests who were going on board who I don't know, but I'm just like, hi, have a great trip. This is amazing. That is not my personality. But the excitement suddenly propelled me beyond actions that I would usually do, beyond what I would usually do. Now, that's just a funny example. But imagine then something where there's something truly that you're needing to get to. You know, imagine a parent who hears their child's in danger. Suddenly, all sense of the, of the people around them, all sense of what's going on around them leaves. Because if they hear their child's in danger, it's like they will do anything that is needed to get to their child. They see their child running into danger, they will climb over fences, they will jump over people, they will push people out the way. Because it's like, I don't, right now, it's like, it's like and I feel like it's almost sometimes involuntary, like you don't even notice what's going on. It's like the, the desire to protect your child is so strong that you don't even notice what you're doing. You will do anything just to get there. You'll push through anything to get to your child. So that's what, I'm, well, that's what we're talking about when it comes to faith in Jesus. When there's something that you are so consumed with, when there is something you are so in love with, when there is someone who you are so, you're, you are just so hungry for, it propels you to act and do things that step outside what you would usually do. Suddenly you might find yourself tearing through a roof because it's like you don't even, it's like you don't even notice what you're doing. It's not, I don't believe they stopped and thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tear through the roof and we're going to do this. I believe it was like their faith was just like, whatever it takes, I'm getting to Jesus. They get there, oh, there's too many people. Oh, let's go, let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go, oh, everyone, come through here, come through here. They might have tried five different ways to get there before they ended on the roof. It's like, you know what? No matter what we're doing, whatever it takes, I'm jumping through to get to Jesus. So church this morning, we need to have faith 
in Jesus. So I'm not saying tear through the roof. I'm not saying do something, something crazy. I'm saying build our faith in Jesus. It was the faith that got Jesus' attention. So build faith in Jesus. As we become more consumed and more in love with Jesus, when we become more hungry after Jesus and what he's called us to, when we become so full of faith for the healer, when we become so full of faith for the provider, when we become so full of faith for what God is doing, suddenly it will propel us to do into action. It will propel us to do things that go outside of what we would normally do, that go beyond our personalities, that go beyond normal acceptable acts. It propels us to do things like tear through the roof. So are we willing to tear through the roof to get to Jesus? Are we willing to push through the crowd to touch his hem? Are we willing to do whatever it takes? Is our faith and our hearts so fully and and captured and just wrapped up in Jesus that we will do anything to push through and to get there? Just like a parent going off to save a child. It's like no matter what, they will do anything to get there. That's what we need to be like with Jesus. That's what we need to be like with where he's calling us to go. That's what we need to be like when it comes to what he's calling us to be and to do. To say, you know what? No matter what it is, that, that, that takes top priority and I will do anything it takes to get there. So church, as we're talking about pastor's appreciation, often, you know, we say, okay, what's you know, how, how, can we, how can we support our pastors? How can we love on our pastors? How can we appreciate our pastors? You know, and it's amazing in the world today, we're so obsessed with, um, which is not bad, but we're so obsessed with leadership. And it's like, how to be a better leader, training for leadership. How can you be a better leader? I found, I read online that it, it, as of 2020, approximately 4.8 billion leadership books were written every year. Every year, 4.8 billion Leadership things were written across the world, according to this study. Because we are so consumed with, with wanting to be, you know, best leader. How can you be the best leader? How can you, you know, how can you be the best leader? How can you be the best boss? Which is great. And that's an amazing thing. And we're all actually leaders. You know, everyone's a leader in their life and you can be leading others. But what we're not as consumed with as a world is how to be a great worker. You know, when you come to a workplace, it's like, oh, here's how our leaders can be better. There's not as many books being produced on how you can be the best worker for their leader, how you can be the best worker at your workplace to serve your leader. I don't think those books would fly off the shelves because it's like, oh, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about the leader. It's about the leader. Whereas I think if we can stop and say, what about all of us? What about all of us here? How can we? How can we support our leaders? How can we best appreciate our leaders? How can we best love in our leaders? And you know what I could say? There's obviously many things we can do. And, and at Breakthrough, we're so blessed. And there's so many people like the, with an amazing church who does support and love our pastors so well, so, so well. This is an encouragement in that. But one of the things I felt God put in my heart of what we can do for Breakthrough and for our pastors, the best way you can support them is by tearing off the roof to get to Jesus is by being a church who's willing to tear through anything to get to Jesus. Is by being a church who is hungry and ready and pushing through every barrier to get to Jesus, to push through any barrier to get to where God has called breakthrough to be. You know, when you see Jesus and what, you know, it's like, I'll do anything to get to Jesus. Or what about breakthrough and what breakthrough is called to be? To, to be a church who's gone, I'm going to tear off the roof. I'm going to do anything it takes 
to push through and get to Jesus. I'm going to do anything it takes to push through and take breakthrough there. That, I can tell you, would be one of the most amazing ways you could support pastors at a church is to say, I've got a heart that pastors, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing us towards Jesus. I'm pushing us towards Jesus. We're tearing through. We're hungry. We're hungry. We're hungry. You know, nobody wants to be in a place. You can put one image up, Jay. I had an image in my head and I couldn't find a perfect one, so this will do. But, you know, imagine a pastor who is at the, they're at the front. This is not breakthrough. This is just an image. But a break, you know, a pastor who is dragging their people towards Jesus. It's like, guys, we've got to get to Jesus over here. They've got to drag. They've got to drag us all there. You know, trying to drag and, you know, people over here going, oh, pastor, can we please keep the meetings to 60 minutes? I just feel like 60 minutes is about the length that I can sit for that long, you know, and I do like to get to lunch by 11. So if we don't mind 60 minutes, pastors are trying to drag them to Jesus. And then, you know, people over here, you know what, Pastor, that person sitting next to me didn't really say hello with a nice attitude this morning. And I, th- and I thought I took it personally. I think it was about me and I think we need, to, we, need to, we need to talk about this. You know, a pastor who's trying to, you know, bring them to Jesus, bring them to Jesus. And, you know, you know what, what if we just say, look, meeting together is a bit inconvenient. How about we just put off the meeting and we all just say we're good Christians. Every now and then we can touch base. You know, pastor, like I just don't want the pressure don't want the pressure of, you know, church, not the pressure. How about, we, you know, pa- maybe pastor, I think the word Jesus or sin is a bit confronting. Why don't we just tone it down a little bit? Let's just have some encouragement and fun. Pastor's like, come on, church, come on, come on, get to Jesus. That's not breakthrough. But imagine if that's what it was. But then imagine a church who instead of the pastor dragging them towards Jesus, how about a church who was revved up, ready to go, who are charging towards Jesus. People who are behind their pastors going, I'm getting to Jesus. I'm getting to Jesus. Come on. Come on, everyone. Come on. Come on. We're getting to Jesus. We're getting to Jesus. Come on. Tear off the roof. Come on. Come on. Come on. We've got to, we've got to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Oh, come on, pastors. God's taking breakthrough into great places. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Breakthrough. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's get to Jesus. Let's get there. Let's go after him. Imagine a church, which is, I believe is Breakthrough Christian Church. People who are ready and tearing through the roof to get to Jesus. And pastors who are not dragging us, who are not pulling out little, putting out little spot fires and strife all around the place, who are not having to say, can you, can I, I'm going to apologize to them because they've offended them or this and blah, blah, blah. No, pastors who are just looking forward to Jesus. And they've got a church who are charged Ready, ready to go, ready to get to Jesus. And you know what? One more image, which is the same thing, but something the pastor shared a few weeks ago, and he'd flipped it. And I was like, this is amazing in a different image that we're doing. And show me it's not just pastors at the front, which it is. They are leading us, and we're all behind them running. You could also flip it and go to that third image, which is not the right, I couldn't get it the right thing, but basically our pastor's launching launching people to Jesus. So it's not just them at the front leading us in. It's them saying, people, go, go, go to Jesus, go, run, run into Bayswater, run, run into this region, run, spread his light, run after all that he's got for us. Here we are launching. You run into all that breakthrough has got. Run, people, run to Jesus. This is a church 
who is we are hungry for what God has taken us, where we are hungry just to get to Jesus. And when our faith is so strong in Jesus, when our faith is so strong in what God's calling us to, that suddenly it propels us into action and we say, we'll do whatever it takes to get there as a church. We'll do whatever it takes. Pastors, we're right behind you. We're right there with you. We're running. We're running to Jesus. Worship him. You can start to come up as we begin to finish. You know, I just want to pray as we're going to pray in a minute for our, for our pastors. But church, as we said, there's two things that I want to encourage you in this morning. One, firstly, are you willing to tear off the roof to get to Jesus? What are the barriers that you might need to, to throw aside to get to Jesus? Are you like me at the start where it's like, you know what, actually, that sounds pretty crazy. That sounds a bit embarrassing. Or how about the classic, oh, I'm okay with it, just not me. I'll just be on the side. I'm okay with people doing it. But don't don't ever ask me to be the one to actually do it. Church, we need to be willing to say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to throw it aside. I'm going to throw aside the embarrassment. I'm going to throw aside the shame. I'm going to throw aside what people think of me. I'm going to throw aside the fear. And I'm willing, I'm willing, Lord, to do whatever it takes. Because I know getting to Jesus is messy sometimes. I know ministering is messy I know, I know coming and Jesus comes and he cleanses and it's messy and he makes whole and it's amazing. But Jesus, I just want you and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Jesus, I'm willing to give up time for you. Ooh, that's the big one to give up. God, you know what? I'm willing to put that aside and spend more time with you. God, I'm willing to say no to that social event because I just want to get to you, Jesus. Jesus, I'm willing to put the phone down and stop all these distractions and just say, God, I want to bring myself so full of faith to get to you. I'm willing, I'm willing to put aside everything to tear off the roof and get to Jesus. Or what about number two? So number one, we say we're willing to tear off the roof. But number two is we're not chasing the tear off the roofs. We're not chasing the crazy actions. If you chase after the crazy actions, you just end up in fruitcakeville. All right, that's just being crazy. We're not, we're not just trying to do something outlandish. We're not just trying to do something to get ourselves noticed in the church. No, 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 no. We're building our faith in Jesus. And as we so wholeheartedly fill our faith with Jesus, as we so wholeheartedly fill Him, fill ourselves with Him and our love and our passion and our hunger for Him, when we so wholeheartedly fill our passion for where God's taking breakthrough as a church, when we so fill ourselves with Jesus and what He's got for us, then suddenly allow it to propel you into action. You might do need to do something crazy because you know what, like I said, it wasn't just the faith, it was the faith, but the faith propelled action in both of these situations. So when we get ourselves so full of faith, we know it is going to propel action. It is going to push ourselves out of our comfort zones. It is going to put ourselves put ourselves in situations that I'm like, I don't even, I don't feel qualified to be here, but Lord, I'm just doing whatever it takes. Lord, I'm just, you know, sometimes you just have to close your eyes and say, Lord, I'm not even looking. I'm not even looking because I just want to get to you, Jesus, and you're the only one I care about. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What is it that you have to throw aside to be willing to tear off the roof? Or maybe, maybe it's the heart 
and the passion and the hunger for Jesus or the hunger for His calling or the faith in Him and who He's called us to be that has dwindled, that you need to revive and you need to stir up. And you need to stir up inside you so that suddenly you propels you into action. Can we sing the chorus one time? And then I'm just going to speak to breakthrough and then we're going to pray for our pastors. So let's sing this chorus one more time. And actually, if someone wants to go get the super kids, they can come back.